3: Welcome to RSN's Racing Pulse.
1: Imperatrix called upon, still three links in front, and the Tangerine Tsunami's going to do it again. Imperatrix won it well. Without a fight, runs on, lays in on top of Gold Trip. West Wind blows 100 to go. Without a fight, coming at it. Without a fight, West Wind blows the head's in unison. Without a fight, without a fight for the Caulfield Cup. Romantic warrior Mr. Brightside, still out of that.
3: The breaking racing news, the stories, opinion, the mail, and the people who make racing happen. Here's Michael Felgate.
2: Good morning and welcome to Racing Pulse on this Monday the 4th of December what a cracking day it is in Melbourne and in Victoria and we've got a special edition today Uh, we are coming to you live from the Ballarat Turf Club because the build up to the Bet Ballarat Cup is well and truly underway and it's a a big day out here as well a little later because there is a major veterinary conference which is being undertaken with Racing Victoria, they're leading vets, a number of leading trainers, uh, owners here as well and we'll have a few people, special guests throughout the morning to discuss that as well, but we've got a big weekend uh, to look back on. Uh, the Spring Carnival Finale as it has been billed at Caulfield with the Zipping Classic Day, which was pretty much unfortunately overshadowed by shocking weather and a deteriorating track throughout the day, and then yesterday at Ornable uh, it looked absolutely spectacular, the Jericho Cup Day, and the, and the winner and the story surrounding it lived up to all the pre-race hype. Matt Stewart is here with me. Mick Sharkey's not here, which is not unusual, he can be late to uh, his own house, let he's a, alone he's a swooper. trying to get to Ballarat. He'll be here in the next 15 minutes or so, hopefully. But Matty, uh, you've still got the afterglow because you were down at Warrnambool once again for what was a phenomenal, a phenomenal Jericho Cup day. And just watching it through the TV, you could feel the atmosphere coming through the
3: screen. But what was it actually like to be there? Well, it's not afterglow. It's actually sunburn. It was actually <laughs> for the first Jericho of the 5 it was just a gorgeous gorgeous day and it was it lit up the lawns and it just made it feel different there was one year we were down there it was 12 degrees and we were all sort of shivering around those fire bins so um it was exactly um as you saw but probably more uh, I'll tell you a funny story I Um, there was a girl I went to school with called Kim Blamey who moved down to Warrnambool 26 years ago and she's a school teacher and we called her Blab at school because she never shut up and she she didn't mind the nickname because she was just a talker, she was a gorgeous girl anyway, so I ran into her uh, yesterday just before they had the two minutes silence and she'd never been to a Jericho before and she was there with her husband Rod and I said, Blab, this is going to be difficult for you but everyone has to be quiet for two minutes and uh she managed to pull it off and at the end of it, uh, she and her husband were like, wow, I can't believe what we just experienced. The, and the, the girl who sang the, she sang in, in tongue, a uh, New Zealand version. It must be a Maori version of the national anthem, then the English version, of the Australian anthem, and then the New Zealand national anthem again. And Kim said that I taught that girl in primary school years ago. Oh, wow. So, um, she's a local girl, sang the anthem. Um, they had the charge of Beersheba replicated, the, 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 the minute silence, a beautiful introduction from a, and honestly, the only noise you could hear, um, during the, the silence, uh, leading into the race was one baby and a crow flying overhead, but everyone else just fell really silent. And that's, that's the point of difference at this race. That's what makes it a completely unique experience. The race is sort of almost incidental to the, the event. Bill Gibbons, I had a good chat to Bill Gibbons. He was just proud as he always is about the, how the concepts come to life. And, you know, the, we had the Anzac, um, connection with the National Anthems and then we get a New Zealand winner. That just put the
2: cherry mm. on the top. Um, mm. And Sean Ritchie of Bone Crusher fame and, and Frank, his father, yep. was there and I believe yep. he was treated as a megastar. Yep. And I listened to him this morning having a chat with the Brekkie guys and um, he said that, you know, the quality of the horse, Nasdaq Diamond, he said, probably won't be winning this race, which can have a positive and a negative because he said um, there are so many Kiwis now who have this race on their radar and want to focus for it. And he said he'll be going back to tell the story about how, um, you know, it's no bone crusher, but this is one of the top... Races that will be in our memory.
3: Yeah, you might need a Stradivarius type horse to win it in future. <laughs> they're, they're, they're probably going to have to think about that because there was a heavy list of horses that wanted to get in. There was a consolation. They might even have to have a consolation for the consolation in future. So, um, and just the the, the, the way the races run and the excitement of watching them zigzag around and uh, yeah, it's. You know, and I, I went there with my son Max, who wore a suit because he thought it was appropriate, and I nearly had a tear in my eye at the thought of how much he thought about it. And um, I hope it was you actually, wore a suit. Uh, yeah, I'm a slightly more <laughs> casual dresser, <laughs> um, but the whole weekend was amazing down there. So, um, guy that Vazoon Scon, Gavin Canar had his 60th down there, and it was a really a racing who's who from basically all over the world There was people from japan and everything there and or they all went to the races the next day they a lot of them experienced the jericho for the first time and one thing i thought to myself is i've always thought about how big can this thing become there was probably five or six thousand there and i think it's probably met its scale now i, I don't know whether it needs to grow bigger um I'm still a bit annoyed that it has to share the weekend stage with the Zipping Classic because they've tried to create a weekend festival down there, and it's a little bit of a two 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 events sharing the same stage for me. I think it would have benefited a bit more if they had had, a, had retained the the nothing meeting in Melbourne so there's all focus on... Because of the migration you get from the city to, to, to Warrnambool for the May Carnival, it's only a minor niggle. Are, are you but still happy with the placement of the Jericho Cup in this? Because I know you've been push it further back
2: into the Christmas period, but what's the general consensus, the feeling? We'll have a chat um, a little later with Campbell Rewilla, who who was so emotional post-race and what it meant to him, but from the crowd, what were the crowd figures like down there? I
3: don't know what the actual figure was, but it felt like the right crowd for the event. Um, probably five, 6,000 If you push it any, if you push it up to eight, you'd suddenly find that you would now need more staff, more bar staff. It was already testing the limit a bit in some ways. Um, I was always really big that you could, wow, you could run this over the Christmas holidays and get 20,000 there. I don't think that anymore. I I don't think that would really work. I think it's probably got 20% wriggle room to go up, but, uh, and it probably will because to be honest, it's becoming, more and more infectious, the idea of it. So, I think what they're going to have to deal with is the crowd is going to keep getting bigger. But it's not a standalone Saturday meeting. Is that what you want to see it as? Uh, not uh, actually, I was just talking to the guys on Perth Radio about that. I think if RV suspended its um, relentless pursuit of increased wagering all the time, including on a Saturday, that's why they're debating, you know, standalone Saturdays in the country versus should we go back to town and all that. I don't think it would tick the the wagering box to have to justify a standalone Saturday, but does that really matter for the for one race meeting a year? Does it need to fulfil kind of like, those KPIs? I still kind of like it on the Sunday, though, because it Same. is... Same. I'm happy with that. It's the
2: highlight, and it, it gives you something to look forward to on the Sunday, yep. off the back of... And, and, I mean, it's a race-free Monday today as yep. well. So, I mean, it, you know, people can take a day
3: off if they wanted to make a, a long weekend down there, I suppose. And it's one of racing's least, well. least TV events. I know it was good on TV, but it's a migration event. It's like the May Carnival. It's not... If you don't go, you, you're just going to have a passing interest in watching three days of Warnable on the TV. But I think it's an event to attend. It's, it's the, it's probably the biggest example of an event to attend in racing. Like Melbourne Cup Carnival, you can watch on TV. You know, you can. But the Jericho is a sitting on the side of the hill and welling up and listening to, uh, you know, so. Uh, have you, been, I, have yeah, you I've, 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 I've dropped off a bit on that passion yeah. to, to, to force it bigger. And the build up and the promotion, was there much,
2: were there many Racing Victoria um, people down there? Because I'd imagine that this is something that... And they'll admit to it now, but Billy Gil- uh, Billy Gibbons dragged them to this meeting. Yep. He funded it the first yep. three years. Yep. They were a bit like, oh, I don't know no about this. But now they go, no, hang on. He, This was a piece of gold that yep. he had the foresight they need to pick it up and run with it. They've increased prize money, which they've done, but maybe it could be a bit more
3: focus on the promotion as well as a bit of a a, a stamp at the end of the game Yeah, carnival. They're, it's a watch to see what... Uh, what, what now that Billy Gibbons is... Backing away, not because because that's the way it's been set up. I, I had this vision that I would hate to write a story in twenty years' time if I'm still here, saying, "Gee, we had this amazing thing at Warrnambool for a while, but it dropped off." I'd hate to say, you know, that it, that for some reason it it wasn't ongoing the way it is. And there's always that thing in the back of your mind that wonders about sustainability because the passion won't be quite the, as personal as with Bill Gibbons. But um, I, I would argue that. Uh, there's room for them to be more active in the promotion of it. Mm. CRV, um, it's, 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 it's in their ballpark. There's only so much Warnable can do as an individual club to promote w- wildly, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd say I would have RV on notice about let's just let's just maintain or increase the level of promotion. Yep. send us your SMSs. Let us know what you think. Zero four one six ninety fifty fifty two. Uh,
2: we're live from Ballarat. We'll take a quick break. On the other side of this, we'll relive the closing stages of the Jericho. We'll have a chat to winning jockey Cameron Willer, and then after nine o'clock, we'll focus on the Zipping Classic meeting, uh, the horses, the performances, the wet weather, how the track played. We want to talk about the big winter bottom meeting. Uh, as well and there's a few other issues that we will touch on plus we'll have a few live guests live here from ballarat more to come on the other side you're listening to the monday edition of the verdict on racing pulse
3: Sam's Racing Pulse. This is The Verdict. Nasak
1: Diamond's in one race, the rest are in another. The Jericho Cup's coming home to New Zealand. Nasak Diamond in a big hit and run mission. He's going to take out the Hayes Pates. Jericho Cup in a canter. You know, this is a wonderful thing that Bill Gibbons has started here and, and, uh, and good luck, the momentum's picking up and we're going to need a lot better horses in the future, I'd say, to win races like this. Uh, we asked Colin to come over for the weekend because we were, we were cocky she'd run really well or that we had a right anyway. And my father, of course, he trained Bone Crusher, so she's no Bone Crusher, but she's wonderful today.
2: Uh, there's no doubt about that. I thought it was a lovely little line there uh, from winning trainer there, Sean Ritchie. And um, we're going to have a chat to Campbell Rewilla. Mick Sharkey has just arrived as well, which Hello, is Michael. great Hello, timing. Matthew. Hello, um, Mick Sharkey. Uh, we've spent the first 10 minutes, <clears throat> pardon me, extolling the virtues of what a wonderful Jericho Cup meeting it was. I'm keen to get your thoughts on it as well, but <clears throat> I'm keen to find out how Campbell Rewilla has pulled up after... The biggest win of his career, most likely. He took everything before him last year when he began his jump Overachiever. Overachiever. And then uh, the emotion post-race was wonderful to see, and he joins us this morning. Campbell, congratulations, mate. No, thank you. I just uh, listened to the RSN traffic news. I didn't hear much traffic in Ballarat, so
4: what's going on there, Sharky?
5: Uh, <laughs> Campbell the, Campbell, uh, well played son the, uh, made, made the, uh, the fateful mistake of s- listening to um, Google Maps When it says stay left And all the signs uh, are saying veer right uh, Coming through uh, Melbourne d- There's a bit of Google Map
3: uh, directions in that over that course yesterday <laughs> Cam yeah? uh, Go left, go right, go left around. What's it like riding that course Without a jumps, without jumps, it, it must be you know well, as far as pacing the horse and, and not going too uh, too hard up the hill or too hard down the hill repeatedly. toes a Road and all that is is it a thinking man's course uh, that, that 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 Grand National course when you, the Grand Annual course when you when you, there aren't any jumps there.
4: Yeah, it's definitely um, it's different class. We probably went at that a little bit slower um obviously the first lap and when they ramped it up the second lap um we really hiked down the hill and just being a faster track yesterday like yeah it, it was pretty pretty touching go just with the fact um obviously well, i was having its first sort of um uh you know go around them sort of bends going each way credit to her she got she got round and well enough i had to sort of sleep around the bend a little bit i couldn't really cut it so she would have lost a good two lengths there but yeah, it is an unbelievable course, and um, to be a part of it yesterday was just, it was incredible, and, and just to have a ride in the race, it was sort of something I really looked forward to, and then, and, and, uh, you know, it was a bit, it was very unfortunate with how the, the weather ended up. We had rain everywhere except Warnable and um, I sort of thought, you know, if needed that rain to really show our best, and, you know, thankfully, well, it's... Put it this way: if she needed the rain to show her best, it would have been scary what she would have done if it came, because she was she was extremely um, dominant yesterday. That's for sure.
5: Campbell, watching at home, it is a beautiful course and it's a, a great race to watch. But while you're riding the race, do you get a chance to actually enjoy the course, or are you just so focused on picking your way through and plotting a path to to victory? That sort of the it is a bit art. of a
3: cross country gallop, isn't yeah. it? It's like it's like a fun gallop with mates, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
4: I, it's special. Like you do, um, you're not you're not so much. Obviously, oh, my my main focus yesterday was more so getting my horse into rhythm because she just wanted to go that half length quicker than sort of what, what they were. So it was just sort of that was my main priority. But she's um, yeah, she done so well. And, and you do you do soak it in. Like I mean, I, probably probably once I got to the top of the hill and I just sort of popped off um, to let her sort of start to improve a little bit. Um, yeah, it is incredible. Um, I think I think Australian racing needs more of that sort of style of racing. You know, obviously it's not this, not as easy to do with with the way the tracks are, but it just brings so many different different factors into racing. It's so, it so ma- it gives it that uh, bit more excitement. What's probably watching as well for the spectators and um, yeah, that real cross country feel it, to, to ride in. It's uh, yeah, it, it's second and unreal. Um, yeah, just so unbelievable. <laughs>
3: and it might attract a different type of spectator too and that's what we desperately need is to open up all avenues we're going to hear from your mum in a minute but just tell us about your impression of the everyone talks about the half an hour lead up to the race and that's the, the silence and the last post and the national anthems and the, the theatre of it with the, the, the light horse so what, where, where did you watch that from were you able to get involved in all that before the race or were you a little bit too focused on the race itself
4: a little bit like obviously you've got a job to do so it, like you've you know you're getting yourself prepared doing your form and things but you you do you know we went out and um obviously I had a look at the light horses and um paid our respects and and yeah it is unbelievable I, I think it's such a it's such an amazing thing um yeah, that that's been that's been really promoted so well and and, and, yeah, look, the crowd yesterday felt like, honestly, we're at the May Carnival again, you know. I just think it was, it was, yeah, just special. It just felt, um, it, it could have been Grand Annual Day yesterday. Like, it was just uh, so well done. And, and um, the, the whole build-up to, to the race, yeah, it was special, really special. And, um, and I think they've done such a good job making it such a, a, a you know, a national event, really, like... Um, yeah, you know obviously the, the lead up with the races the road to the jerichos um yeah it, it is such a it, it is such a lead up to the big day and um yeah look i'm sure everyone involved you know couldn't have been more pleased with how the day was run everyone had a great day and um and especially me, (laughs) so
2: that was great. And your story and and your background and build-up added to that emotion yesterday, and and Kate Watts was able to capture it perfectly post-race with your mum, Sarah. Have a listen to this.
0: I can't even talk. I'm that happy. I'm so proud of him. It's just something... I don't know. I can't even... I'm so sorry. I'm speechless. I'm so proud of this little boy. It's not funny. He's just... This is my life. (laughs) He's just... He's everything. He's so proud.
3: Gee, your mum dislikes you. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: she's she's the best mum, you know. Like people, yeah. Like obviously, um, you know, even just growing up, growing up, every yeah. You know, I was doing AFL training four days a week and, and playing footy twice on a sad day, and mum would be juggling that on top of you know getting us to school and um, and my sister obviously with a netball and stuff. So it was just she'd never she'd never not be there for us you know and like yesterday she's driven 10 hours back and um she's so she's gone driven from sydney to mornington driven up yesterday morning to drive drive with me to the races and then driven me home last night then back to mornington like she's an absolute warrior and um people don't say that unless i say it like she's just um she puts her whole life into my sister and i and um and look, I think yeah, oh, oh, she she, she says like oh gosh, she panic when the when um Kay Watts come over but she's just um she, you know, she <laughs> never wants to be never wants to be in the limelight at all. She's um but she, yeah, she did, I think she just loves um loves seeing me, sister and I happy and well and um and yeah, just yesterday was just so special. So special. That's-
3: that's as good a tribute as anyone's ever given to their mum, That, that what you just said then and your sister. Because your old man's a sort of a strong, silent type. He doesn't give <laughs> much away. So I think your mum might feed off your uh, your enthusiasm quite a bit, uh, Camp. <laughs> oh, no, mum,
4: mum's a gem. She, um, you know, Dad, dad had um, had quite a lot going on in Sydney, which is understandable. But, um, yeah, that looked, I'm, I'm very fortunate. You know, mum and dad have always had me back. And um, and my sister as well, she, she never gets a mention, but she's... You know, she's she's the one who helped me out at the
3: farm when um, when I'm at the races and stuff with all the, with all the dogs and animals and um, yeah, we're we're such a close family and. What's uh, yeah, your sister's name? Caitlin. Caitlin. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll yep, we yep. we'll give her we'll give her a
4: good run. Good on you, Caitlin. You're a legend yeah. too. <laughs> Was she there yesterday? Oh, absolutely. No, she wasn't there. She's um, she's helped me um, helped me at home and things and. Um, uh, but, yeah, look, she's she's an absolute um, absolute gem, Katie, too. So I'm very, very fortunate with the people in my life, that's for sure.
5: How are the dogs and animals going, Campbell? What What's the menagerie looking like at the moment?
4: Yeah, so I've um, brought a little property sort of just past Warrigal um, last year and it's just got a few acres there. I love sort of that style of um, living. And, yeah, I've got got five greyhounds there, three in work. Um and yeah, got cows you know, there's cows going around, I've got goats, it's the real Motley crew. It's not um yeah, I'm i just I just love sort of um there, being at the farm, being with the animals and uh a couple of racing dogs getting around so um scouting more, so I'd love to have I'd love to have six or seven in work and um that's a nice number to sort of be doing the right thing by them and uh having a good bit of fun, so yeah.
5: Well, ter- you need to lean on Terry Bailey because he's become a Leviathan greyhound breeder. Surely you hit him up for a few.
3: Yeah, the only problem is Terry Baileys aren't exactly uh, bold trees at the moment. <laughs> oh, they're,
5: not, oh they're, not, they're no good. <laughs> oh, they've well, they're it's been a slow burn. It's have, been a have slow burn. you got burn. a good
2: one that we can follow, Cam?
4: Uh, look, she's, she's no world beater. Um, I've, got a, I've got her as a giveaway last week, and she ran a really good... Uh, not last week, probably three or four weeks ago. She ran a really good second at Tarolgan um Monday and she's in at warrigal over 400 Thursday um her name's redshift Jules so ah uh, she's a happy dog she's well she's racing super and um she missed a kick the other day and found found plenty of backsides and uh she ended up running second so she's hopefully hopefully flying the flag for us on uh on thu <laughs> so, oh, oh,
2: yeah
4: just, yeah the dogs are beautiful I tell you like um I think I think i They've done a great thing, racing.com and uh, GRV, getting involved with having it on, you know, on TV. It's, um, it's built a lot of following over the last um, you know, good few years and, yeah, it's only getting stronger. And once again, you know, the, the dogs are no different to the racehorses. The, the amount of care you give them, um, it shows on the track, you know. So that's where, that's where I don't think people realise that it's see dogs going around in circles and, and horses. But the amount of care behind the scenes is just... It's extraordinary. Um, you know, everyone uh, everyone has and does 110% the best they can do for the animal, and um, yeah, and I think it shows very well with uh, like the meeting yesterday and Saturday.
3: A most a lot of the most successful racing people have this innate relationship with animals, and Kieran Maher from a from a very very young age had it. Uh, Jamie Carr had it. Like even, she I interviewed her once, and she said, "Mum and Dad, when she was little, used to find her sleeping in the barn with the the baby goats and things like that." And um, it, but you lived a lot of time in Hong Kong, where it's probably the access to animals is yeah. it's not uh, um, not uh, high, you know, like because it's a very contained environment. How did you How did you manage that in Hong Kong when you're such an animal lover? But there probably weren't that many of them around. Or space, really? Yeah, space. Yeah, well-
4: you'd be surprised obviously um like they they got a really good riding school over there it's very like a sort of american style um, country club it's called beige river and that was where and that, that's another thing with mum too like she you know she'd um, she'd be taking me out to beige river six days a week um and I, and I had a pony over there saint who you know he taught me a lot because he, he wasn't the easiest horse but he he wasn't he wasn't too far in the deep end where he pig root and buck and and play up, but he, he was a great horse for me to learn on. So I was riding six days a week uh, in Hong Kong, sort of doing cross country and, and show jumping and um, dressage. So I was fortunate to sort of a, a, you know not um, not lost that touch at all in Hong Kong. And um, and yeah, look, we've sort of we've been very well travelled, but we've always had animals in our lives. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a massive part of my life. I think yeah, What's what's um, yeah, sort of the routine now is um so they get up at 250 and um go let the dogs out and make sure they're all they're all happy and um, then we're off to track work and uh back there now so back to the dogs so um yeah that's yeah massive part of my life and um yeah they're very special to me
2: well, you're very special too, mate You're a superstar Well done yesterday We'll look forward to following uh, your greyhound later this week And uh, can't wait to see you uh, build up for another big jump season as well uh, yeah, Back at the Bull in you. May
4: Yeah, that's it No, I can't wait I've been counting down the days I think we're about uh, just over three uh, three months and, and three weeks or so So we're getting there, 22nd of March, <laughs> get around it
2: <laughs> uh, Good on you, Campbell Well done, mate
4: Lovely. Thanks so much for the chat. Really appreciate it.
2: Cam O'Rewilla, he is a superstar. Hey, we'll take a quick break from the news. I'll talk a bit more off the back of Cam after this, and we'll start to look at the Zipping Classic meeting. Speaking of Greyhounds, we've got the Melbourne Cup as well over the weekend. We'll talk about that later as well. Always great to have your company on a Monday morning, especially when we're getting to 30 degrees wow. today. Finally, a little bit of summer is hitting Melbourne town, and I can tell you it is absolutely glorious here at Ballarat. Hopefully we've got a week of great weather here because it is the build-up to their biggest weekend of the year, of course, with the Standalone Sportsman Ballarat Cup meeting on Saturday. We'll have a chat to Belinda Glass, the CEO, a little later. Uh, as well and uh, it just reminded me driving in here gents about how big mm. uh, racing precinct this
3: is oh, with huge. all of the huge stables that are adjoining the racetrack here at Ballarat. Advertising hoardings big name stables like the, the Belinda will tell us about it, the, the corrugated un, uh, all weather undercover part of the, the uphill track which they've now got a, a section that's uh, literally indoors so to speak with a Hundreds and hundreds of meters of shedding to cover the the wood fiber track, uh, and the, there's a bit of beautification going on as well. Uh, there's that. Did you see the trail going up Mount Piscar when you yeah. drove in? Uh, that's used by some of the trainers. Michelle Payne uses that a little bit. Um, it's kind of like um, majestic, and it's very steep. Like you, you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't want to work them up the hill too hard, there, Shark. You'd turn them all into Jericho horses. But um, so yeah, no, this place is just uh, I remember years and years ago I remember when I was driving in today there's a stable on the left where Nigel Blackerson is now that's where Robert Smerden trained years ago I came up and did a story on him and Stan Aitken his jockey and they were that was it there was yeah. not much else here there was uh Noel Kelly where Darren where Darren Weir sort of took off that was it there was there's was probably 80 horses in work at Ballarat you know or, or 100 and uh now it's 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 not Cranburn. They're all different, aren't they? Cranburn looks completely different to this. So does Pakenham, But this has got its own feel. It's a he- very hectic training centre. Belinda will be able to tell us. But I, I imagine if there's 1,100 or where whatever it is at uh, Cranburn, there might be 500 yeah. here, five, five or six. I'm not sure. Um, we'll have a chat a little later. Actually, Joel Selwood's going to be
2: at the veterinary conference today, which is going to be fascinating to mm. give a bit of a comparison between how. Human athletes try to keep themselves fit and healthy compared to what is now being used so regularly in the racing industry about trying to keep horses up for longer and keeping them fitter for longer as well. good to see Jai McNeil in the carnival with a big win on the weekend wasn't it and that was in the zipping classic it was a day which we kind of felt in the morning was going to be a tough one for the punters with the deterioration of the track uh, but the win in the zipping classic was absolutely fantastic for Jai, Gay Waterhouse, Adrian Bott once again.
1: Military Mission from a long way back after 200. Duke to Cesar, a length banker's choice. Military Mission's mowing them down, though. Coming with a withering run, the grey. Military Mission over the top is going to race away, and Military Mission has won the Zipping Classic
2: by two and a half. Uh, it was a dominant win in the end and I know uh, the wet weather certainly played its part but uh, after the race you go back and you have a look at military missions form and he's run 10th in the Melbourne Cup which was an outstanding run wins the Herbert Power before that and you go why did I leave that out of my quaddie (laughs) (laughs)
3: it's about whether it hadn't you you wondered about whether it could go up go again you know I think that was the query with a lot of them was where are they at you know and then the track was, was off too so um the track was off I was, I was talking to Mick Kent yesterday, he had, had Deny Knowledge running it and he just said the inside was just, just really cut up, so that that might explain a bit of how the racing was unfolding. Well, Jai McNeil rode to the conditions beautifully, he got back and looped them and it was all over
2: uh, almost as they were coming into the turn and it was great to see Jai with a feature win at the end of the carnival. Morning Jai, well done. Morning guys, thanks very much
3: um good timing Joy, wasn't it to, to nail one late in the carnival because you, you've had a really difficult 12 months the hong kong thing and just losing a bit of that momentum from the previous season so nice to sort of get towards christmas on a on a really positive note as we enter the uh, another uh calendar year
6: yeah absolutely It's um enables me to, to put a bit of ham on the table, I guess. But, um,
3: yeah, it, it has been a... Hey, we've, got, hey, we've got some bataki hams in the fridge at yeah. work. The bloke came in last week, Tony, so we might be able to help no, you sure out with you some know.
2: extra. <laughs> the, the sad thing is, Jai, that they're not in the work fridge now. They're in Matt Stewart's fridge. Well, well so there was an easy inquiry easy. last
3: year, Joy, into into the disappearing hams that they haven't resolved yet. So, <laughs> anyway, anyway, you can put your own ham on your own table. But it was kind of a nice note to to get close to christmas because I, I look i know you've had a just a testing 12 months for for, for varying reasons and and you're probably thinking a lot more positively now about about the next six to 12 months
6: yeah absolutely i think um you know it it puts you in a good uh frame of mind to get a nice win towards the end of the carnival um also had a nice wind on the final day, on Champions Day, uh, over Cup Week as well, which was a great thrill. So, yeah, it's been, I guess, in in some ways I've I've faced a few hurdles and a few challenges over probably a six- to 12-month period. But um, obviously in this job you're always looking forward and and looking on what to target and what's next. So um, it was great to get an opportunity from a stable that I haven't had a, a great deal of or done a great deal of riding for in the past, so hopefully... That enables me to build on that relationship, and as I say, just keep looking forward.
5: Joy, how do you think you're riding at the moment? You mentioned Ray McNerio and that that last day of the carnival, but in between, then there's been you know the, the winners are coming with more regularity. You know, looking at your at your recent results, are you are you happier with with how you're going at present? Yeah, I feel as, um,
6: I'm riding um, as good as ever. I feel as I'm putting my, my horses in the best possible uh, positions to enable them to have every chance and um, obviously from there you've just got to build on getting the right rides in the right races Um, and thankfully I was was on the right one uh, in the Zipping Classic on Saturday.
5: How much of your game or or form, I guess, from your point of view, is a confidence thing? How much of it is getting on the right horses? It seems, you know, you've got to have the... The horse underneath you to get the result but what about the mental aspect for you staying in that winning frame of mind
6: yeah i guess winners
5: just give you
6: confidence and then uh, from that everything else flows but um yeah I, I guess you know if you're on you're absolutely right if you're on the right horses then um you know it makes life a lot easier but um Yeah, for me, women's is confidence and you can build off that and um, that's something that I'll, I'll do moving forward.
3: It's like the chicken and the egg, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Everyone was talking about Jamie Carr being out of form, but, but she wasn't on head. the right horses. She gets on the right horses and suddenly she finds form. And, and then if you're not getting on the right horses, Jai, then you start to yeah. second guess yourself a bit mentally. So it really is what comes first, the chicken in the egg. <laughs> and and, and, yeah, and yeah. you had that magic season the season before. So
6: Yeah, absolutely. It's evident that you can't do it without the horses. So, um, you know, they they're the ones that are the real athletes, and um you know we we play a small role um on the day to to get them to perform and um yeah you can't do it without them, that's for sure.
3: You got your beautiful son, your beautiful wife, and you're, you're building a farm. I think up near Lancefield. Uh, you had a bit of a disruption with Hong Kong, and, and that didn't quite work out. Are you now in that zone where you've got the the family home being built in a sort of environment that suits you? And and then and then and then that's going to sort of set you up nicely. It just it feels like a nice setup for you now.
6: Yeah, I've got um, we've got a second child. He's about
3: two months. So, hang on a minute. When did, when did
6: this happen? Uh, it happened during Two lockdown. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the birth
3: date, The birth yeah. oh, Well, yeah, and the, the other part came, came through the boredom of lockdown. No doubt. <laughs> oh,
6: my God. Yeah, <laughs> nice. um, so, yeah, look, he's still not requiring Dad too much at the moment. He's, uh, he's on the tit and he's enjoying life, and I'm... I'm uh, not really required much at the moment, but um, things are things are really good for me at the moment. I'm a good good uh, frame of mind. I've got, as you say, Matty, everything happening and everything falling into place, and um, yeah, that's probably why I've I've started to just really relax into my riding and and seem in a really good place.
3: And when you've got your best mate going through the same thing with Harry pretending to be father of the year as well, it's, uh, you can compare notes on how disappointing you both are with nappy changes and so on?
7: <laughs>
3: yeah,
6: absolutely. I, I'm not real good at the nappy changes. I do as, as many as I have to. Um, I'm not too sure about, about H. I, I actually haven't seen him change one, but... I'm um, sure he has.
3: <laughs> now, this is poor form, boys. You've got to get you've got to get involved. Roll up the sleeves. Now, I, I we, think... we all feel sorry for Harry because he spends so much time on the road, but he's there yeah. going, at least I'm not changing hey, look, look, look the, good thing, <laughs> the good thing for us
2: is that we were in the disposable nappy era when Matt was having children. He had to do it with the old, uh, <laughs> the old flannel nappies. <laughs>
3: not true. Not true at all. They've been around for a while. But I was on the overnight bottle fee, and I started signing up to overnight preachers and buying Demtel Direct and what? all that sort of stuff. Because I had to do the overnight feeds. You, you don't know how lucky you've got it, Joe. Like some of us normal dads who aren't jockeys, we had to get up through the middle of the night and watch TV and then bottle feed the babies. So. Yeah, well, I've got to get
6: hey, up we, in the middle of the night and go to work,
2: so fair, fair. Yeah, that's a fair <laughs> point. Well, fair enough. Yeah, that's we, we, a fair, fair point. Fair enough. Hey, will you, um, will you build this momentum and keep riding through, or will you take a little bit of um, time off during the Christmas summer period? Yeah, I haven't I haven't sort of planned any time off at this stage.
6: Um I'm looking to sort of, yeah, build off off my win on Saturday and um, get back to the top where I want to be and and, um, be riding consistent winners. So um, hopefully I can can make that happen.
3: You need to be up Gerald's way for Mansfield Cup for the the fire pit because we need to meet the children and we need to get Pam cooking up a a five-course extravaganza. So you need to take (laughs) a little time out for the Mansfield Cup. When's the Men's Shield Cup nowadays? I can't keep up. In uh, about three or four weeks, and you probably won't be able to go. Logan will be up there anyway. Don't worry about it. We'll we'll take care <laughs> of it. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: hey, no, just a quick one, Joel. How, um, how did that track play overall on Saturday with that continuous rain? It held up really good, Michael. I thought... Um,
6: I actually went to the barriers for the last... W- we were coming out of the chute, and I thought the inside looked quite chopped out and i i was outside the lead i knew i was going to be forward and i i made a decision to come sort of lanes four or five and the the winner slid through underneath me so i was dirty on myself for that but um yeah i think overall with the rain on the day and you know how sort of significant it was just gradual but set it settled in throughout the day and i think um you know, it's really tricky once you open them them tracks up with rain on the day. So I thought, I thought it held up in pretty good order.
2: And do you think military mission could come back again and be a uh, a, a cups contender, finishing top tens? Nothing to sneeze at. He won the Herbert Power on the way through as well.
6: Yeah, I don't see why not. He he was really dominant Saturday. He had a a great turn of foot at the end of at the end of the twenty four hundred meter trip. So um, look, obviously, Gay and Ajun will. Um, Sort all that out But uh, I can't see why not
2: Well done on the weekend mate Winning the the Zipping Classic And uh, uh, enjoy uh, fatherhood uh, In the midst of uh, Grand Zero At the (laughs) moment With a couple of little ones So (laughs) good luck with it all Yeah thanks very much guys Great to chat
3: Um, We were just after we finished Talking to Cameron Willow We were all talking about What an amazing kid he is Like how articulate and enthusiastic Jai's a bit the same Like Jai's Joe's just Joe's got no ego. He's and maybe that's what contributed a little bit to his flat season. He's laid back. He, He's just a typical good yeah. yeah kids. He doesn't self promote. Um, to, to I remember we were at, <laughs> at Mooney Valley when Kieran Maher didn't have a jockey for a gold trip in last year's Cox Plate, and Joe McNeil was floating there as an option, and they went with the <laughs> Jamie Spencer, who's just a Wrecking ball, um, and I remember the thinking that day that you know I remember the the season where Jai rode the race of the century on I'm thunderstruck, and we saw the, the the aerial vision of him ducking and weaving, and there was a time where he was the go-to, he was he was the one it didn't take much to have him not flavour of the month, and the, for whatever reason, it's just one of those things that happens. But I reckon when Ma Eustace didn't go for Jai McNeil and instead of and said bought a jockey out for the Cox Plate, I think that was an indication at the time that for whatever reason he was just a bit out of he wasn't on the list of those trainers where we all know he, he should be he's a, it's a terrific jockey terrific ambassador great everything you know um perhaps his turn of phrase whilst describing certain things <laughs> he did before as well <laughs> probably probably use an alternative term but um no so I'm, I, I, I love joe McNeil, and i just want him to be back on top because he deserves to be what do we take out of the race itself
2: sharky because of the the wet weather conditions um is the Miramasa fail down to the wet track? We know Vowen Declare doesn't really like
5: it. Yeah, Miramasa. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I, I think the whole meeting, you have to I look forward to, to hearing uh, what David Gately has to say about the meeting later on because I'm always interested in those real hardcore form heads, how they approach a race meeting like Saturday's at Caulfield. Which changes from race one to race 10. You know, it just, the, 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 it's sort of true with scam
3: regards, don't you? It's end of season, wet track. They're not going anywhere immediately. And uh, so,
5: by the sound of it, too, it's not a wet track like it was a heavy track in the morning. It, it, it had firm enough footing. I heard Ben Ascari comment on one point during the, the coverage that he'd spoken to some jockeys and they said, look, it's wet, but it feels, firmer than a normal wet track underneath, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, all these yeah. different elements You know it's a unique set of circumstances when you have conditions change during the race okay. day, I put the cue in the rack after uh, oh, I, I was keen on Duke de Sessing seeing a wet track, so he was basically my bet for the day, but
2: Was he disappointing?
5: Oh, I felt so, he had every possible chance, That's when he right. got a horse of his Duke quality, as he loomed into the race and hit the front and kicked that length and half two lengths clear, I thought well you should just keep going and he went up and down in the one spot. Our military mission has been a really... Before we just get off that race, he has been a really interesting import when you look back at his record. So he he gets to Australia, he wins two of his first sort of four starts in those lesser grade handicaps at Canterbury and Hawkesbury. He ends up winning a Tari Cup, Tari Cup, (laughs) then a Hobart Cup, and then pokes his way through those summertime-listed Group 3 staying races. Like... He's a he's, waterhouse. He's, he's, he's a much travelled waterhouse iron horse. He, he's he had a lot of those. He'd be such a fun horse to own, wouldn't, oh, he? Like, wouldn't he? He's gone all around mm, the place, mm. and now he's you winning about the Tari Bowls Club. You <laughs> know, you go and stay for a weekend. <laughs> you, see, oh, you know, his last two runs are a, a Melbourne Cup tenth. Amazing! Like that'd be such a thrill mm. for that group of owners. I know, and some of them have had bigger thrills than this horse. But Newcastle Cup, he, he's just. Gathering together a nice little trophy cabinet, this horse, yeah. and I can't imagine he would have cost them a hell of a lot of money either. No, exactly. I tend to think from that Caulfield meeting that the the front end
3: horses, the front end of the meeting was probably more helpful for what's coming up next, like a uh, yeah, Miraville Rose. Race? The Miraville yeah, Rose was race minute. was was deep because I know that um, Archie Alexander's filly, who was in it, they've got a huge huge opinion of that, and Miraville Rose was excellent. So I, I actually think the two year old and the um, the, two- the two-year-old's going to continue on, too. We're going to see more of it in coming weeks. So,
5: Yeah, it, it was a really strong win, and I think there was depth to that two-year-old race. Right? So I think uh, all of the, the trial pervs wanted to tell you how good they thought Flattered was yeah. coming through its trials yeah. and jump outs, and it's run a, a really nice race.
3: And the I 1. Think $1.4 Ex- million dollar Snowden one had trialled okay as well, and it was well beaten.
5: So I think Express Yourself was a really good debut run for Amy and Ash Yagi. Ran a really nice race, so yeah, I think there'll be some good f- mm. some, some future winners to come out of that race for sure. Yeah, well, I agree
2: with you, Matty. I think they're the two
5: horses uh, that you want to be taking out of the meeting. Ruling um, was a good win too. If you're looking forward, I suspect they might have a bit of a look at some of those summertime cups with we'll that horse. Good, good Tassie hook. Horse lovely horse for Tassie, yeah. wouldn't he? Well, um, I, think, I think the story
3: of the meeting was uh, Griffiths to Cock with two... Which is who we're going to talk to after the break. Yep.
2: So yep. what we might do is we'll take a quick break, we'll come back, we'll have a look at the uh, the year the, the thousand, the, the
3: Sandown Guineas. I'll get there in a minute. Um, well, and at what point are they going to actually change the name of it? <laughs> from The Sandown Guineas? It's, it's, at, at Run at Corfield. Yeah, yes. it's kind of getting a bit... <clears> yeah. Reality check Well, the Sandown Cup, how many years is it since that? When two. Couple.
2: Two couple Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, we'll take a break. More SMSs after this. Plus, Robbie
3: Griffiths. Placing their opinion on the line, it's The Verdict.
1: Sarasana, 200 metres to go, went for the doctor. A length and a half, Arkansas kid, then Vivier. Still Sarasana, 100 metres to go. Going great guns for Johnny Allen. And Sarasana, too good. Sarasana, two and a quarter, Arkansas kid.
2: In the end, it was a one-act affair in the Sandown Guineas with Sarasana, capping a magnificent day for Robbie Griffiths and Matty Dukoccu. I think when I was watching the coverage on Saturday, Robbie said it was his... Was it his 35th wedding anniversary on Saturday as well? Fantastic. Good morning, Robbie.
3: Morning, Michael. How are you? She's, she's, she's put up with a bit, Robbie. Oh. Well, yeah, it's
7: 34, <laughs> and uh, I'm hoping to get the 35 if I behave. <laughs> 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 that
3: uh, Felgate's early down, crowed the 35. <laughs> a lot of water to go into the time. bridge between now and then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, Robbie. Um, Yes. I, that was a really significant result for the stable, I reckon your, your training partner's been with you for two or three years now And you've always been that trainer who wins a lot of races over summer And you had, obviously, the quarterback with the, with the Group 1 win But nice to, A, your, your association with Magnus, through King Magnus Through that amazing uh, ATM machine that he's provided you with But to also win the Guineas as well It's a, it's a, it's a good brand sort of promotion for the stable, I reckon
7: yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's um, it, you know you have plans and strategies, and uh, as we all do in sport, when you want to build build a brand, which we started you know three years ago, and um, but to see it come to fruition um, with all of our young horses like Sarasana and the oldest crop we've got from our um, you know when we started the partnership before, and we got horses like Aberfeldy Boy and and so on. So to see everything starting to build the right way is uh, made made Saturday very very rewarding.
5: Hey, Robbie Shark here. When Matt came over and you started to, you know, educate him about Australian racing, etc., can you remember when you introduced him to Magnus, did you have to say, well, I know I've got a lot of these horses in the yard, but there's a reason for that.
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, know when you've got that. the breeding of them in the stable? <laughs> Magnus, by Magnus, yeah. by Magnus. Did he say, "Mate, what's going on here? <laughs>
7: <laughs> it's funny you say that because the, the very first day he arrived and went to Flemington races, held Watson went down the straight. So his introduction <laughs> to Magnus was very good from the get-go. And, yeah. Uh, and we've even taken it to the next level now we bought bird out out of the magnus bear so oh my
3: God, <laughs> just just tell us about the you you have a deeper connection I remember. Um, Lloyd Kennewell was the first to latch onto I'm Invincible for Mr. Yeah. And, and all those. And, uh, and then he, he sort of cashed in early on it. But you, you've been on the Magnus bandwagon for, for 10, 12 years and no other trainer has quite, uh, had the same association. What, what exactly is it about them? Is it the right price point the, for your, your clients? What, tell us what it is about Magnus.
7: Well, it was a combination of all of those things. One, you know, he was an outstanding racehorse in a in a stellar year, and he's got such a fantastic pedigree as Flying spurs you know, one of the best bred horses that was at stud, and then, you know, being out of the Black Caviar family, he's got uh, he's got it on both sides. So, and he was quite compatible to you know. Uh, Hal Horson's mum flourishing so we started we bred him and then we started buying them because of price point and they just kept winning and gave owners a lot of uh, enjoyment for a, a little outlay and uh, and they stayed in that price range pretty much forever so it gave Different. us the opportunity. Yeah they're great, they're a bit snitchy like you know he'll he'll have, he'll have a bite and so will Hal Horson but they've got to have that little bit of quirkiness to be good horses to have that character on race day so they're, they're all, the good ones are all a bit like that but um, but yeah they're just so durable, to handle all conditions and
5: As we've seen, so they're fantastic breed. They just just seem to be super reliable. Aussie conditions,
3: Aussie demands, Aussie conditions. Yeah, Yeah.
5: King Magnus is Mm. is almost typifies Mm. them. From the outside looking Mm. in, he's just such a reliable horse.
7: Yeah, he is. And uh, as you say, Sharky, you know, like he can, you know, he can handle any conditions that you know, and especially this time of year, a lot of horses can't. So when the rain comes Saturday you've never seen uh owners and trainers and connections so happy to get a wet day on on the second day of summer, you know. So we we uh most people are whinging about that, but uh for him it, it, it just helps him and you know can can disadvantage others. So you know, he's such an all rounder and uh, and the breed are very much like that. So they're being terrific to us.
2: And Sarah Sata, uh, Robbie, was a good return to form. She won on debut. I know you've always had a big opinion of her, but was it the um, the sting out of the ground or the step up to sixteen hundred metres? Because she went to another level on Saturday. Oh, probably both. I think it's more the step up
7: in 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 distance because um, you know she she's I think she's come on so much because of the um, uh, the fact that she's so lightly based and had a gap between races. She's she's actually learning her craft as she's going. You know, so. Um, she's a filly that can run a blistering split, as we've seen on debut when she won and ran something like 32 and a half the last, you know, uh, last 600. So, um, and Boris, uh, is uh, has been really good form line. So, but she having a gap, you know, from February to October with an a, enforced gap with the little injury she had when she, you know, bombed the start at Sandown, I don't think she sort of really knows a lot about racing. And I think this is the first time she's had some continuance with Sandown. Caulfield where she didn't really rest properly and we strode forward at Sandown over 14. She really fought back. Uh, Those that had a good look at that race, she really had a dip back giving us the encouragement that we'd go to 16 because that was always her plan in the early part of the spring but she just sort of took a little while to to come on and we missed the the Phillies guineas so having a crack at the 1600 was something we thought she could do Um, but then to see her do it Saturday was, uh, was outstanding.
2: Does she go for a break now, or um, what do you do? Yeah, we'll, we'll just let the dust settle and, and speak to the ownership
7: group. But the most, there's really not a lot for her now, so she may as well have a rest. And where, where she aligns herself in the autumn, it comes around a bit quick now, being December, so whether. But the fact that she's handled the soft and we know how good schnitzels are in in the ground, you know, all of a sudden if Sydney's a bit wet, um, you know, that could be her go to head up to Sydney instead of um, Melbourne gives a bit more time between carnivals. But um, the good thing is, uh, you know, it's uh, she's, she's a filly on the up, so there's going to be lots of options for her.
3: Are you going to be a a summer sensation again this summer, uh, (laughs) Robbie? We hope so.
7: We've still got some Santa bills to pay, so we're hoping that we can can, uh, fill up the stocking with those, you know.
3: Do you tend to marshal as many troops as you can about now for the next, say, three months? We always have because...
7: As a, as a rule, you get, you know, the right grade of racing for the inexperienced horses that you might be bringing through and you predominantly have dry ground. So, you know, that there's not, a, not as much needed in their favour. So they can handle dry ground, have the right volume of races available to them and run for good prize money. So it gives them the opportunity to earn their way through the, through the rankings and if they're going to become, uh, you know, good horses down the track, they'll work their way into carnals as they, as they build their race profile.
2: One horse. I was going to say, one horse may um, not be a summer horse. He could be better than that. Is Ray Magnierio, who we saw in the final day? What's what's the plans with him? Bill, he's going to. um, He's had a little freshen up down at the
7: Water Walker in the in the paddock and so on, and he's going to kick off at uh, at um, Geelong on the sixth of uh, their standalone meeting on the sixth of January into the twentieth. Yeah, into the twentieth of January at Flemington and. uh, And he's got a, being a 78 rating now, he's got the opportunity to still use his rating down in the 78s and the 84s before he steps into the open grade. So um, if he continues to do that, he's going to get maximum uh, prize money for his owners before he takes on the big league.
3: Hey, Robbie, um, just curious to know if if you've got, if you have or plan to, go and see the South African racing. You've got a South African training partner and his father Mike DeCock is the greatest ever South African trainer. I watch a lot of South African racing because I'm up late sometimes. <laughs> um, vale, Kenilworth and all these sort of places. It's amazing that how small a group of stallions there are represented. There's about five stallions that f- uh, represent all the runners over there. Canford Cliffs I see is over there and Mike DeCock told me once that he actually thought that the South Australian breed was good enough where he'd love to bring some over here and maybe some of them appear in your stable but logistically difficult to do are you curious about your training partners racing um background and and, and south african racing
7: absolutely you know matt and i've spoken at length about you know when when we get the time to to go home together or go home to him and first time for me because he wants to um you know show me all the uh, all there is to see in south africa and you know and especially with uh drakenstein stud that that uh Sarasana's ownership, you know, races in those colours and they could allow the Guineas on, on the weekend. So there's a lot there that uh there's a lot there he wants to show me and also too there's a lot of breeders there that are, you know, showing great interest in uh in Australian racing now that we've seen the results. So and it's not off the table that some horses could come across from there. We we've been yeah. talking about possibly Future, getting some
3: Williams, Longswood, there's all these, I keep seeing them all pop up, erupt is another one um, you well, be new South African expert, I, a South African expert, and, and I've got a mate called <laughs> Nils, now Robbie this is, this is very important, oh. I've got a mate called Nils who's a b- bizarre sort of character, he flies planes, he was in the South African Army, he's a free diver and all this sort of stuff, he's got a property on the Eastern Cape and we're getting a crew going over there to see in inverted commas, the real South Africa in about a few months' time. So, if you want to see the real South Africa, as sounds, in, you know, the South sounds Africa, like you're of, looking for a sponsor. Is that what yeah, you're trying to? Yeah, yeah. And to if do. You'd like to sponsor the trip. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. So, and he's, he's going to an fly angle. us all around and go to all the places that no one goes to, like you know, where what it would have been like, you know, 30 years ago, and safari type stuff. So, I'll, I'll put you down. I won't put you down quite as the sponsor yet, but I'll put you down as a participant. <laughs>
7: Oh, on on yeah, that note, yeah, Robbie. Yeah, he sounds a bit dodgy,
3: doesn't it? <laughs> and, he, and the last photo, yeah. he, he had a triple heart bypass the last time he was there. This is a true story. And I had lunch with him before that, and he said, oh, this is, though. I survived this one. He showed me a, a plane that had ditched in a jungle. This is a 100% true story. And I said, you want to fly us around? You've just had a heart attack, and you're showing us showing the only photo you've got with a plane is it's in a jungle, and you survived it. He goes, but I survived. <laughs> Uh, well, you've sold Robbie. There's no doubt about yeah. that.
2: Absolutely sold. <laughs> He's on that one,
3: yeah, yeah. No, you're back. To, you're backing out. I can tell yeah. you're backing <laughs> out. I'll just go, I'm just
7: going uh, to the cardiologist first to make sure I can survive.
3: That's right. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, yeah, well, there's there's your issues as well, of course. Yeah, well, so. that's true. You remember at the start he said he wants six to six went and
2: two came back. That'll be a good he ratio. Wants to actually. make 35 year anniversary. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Robbie, well done on a memorable weekend, mate. Terrific. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Uh, Ruby Griffiths joining us there. Hey, let's take a uh, quick break. As we go to a break, I'm going to read a few SMSs out. I've got some prizes to give away, and then we'll look at the winter bottom stakes. First of all, um, how about this, Matty? You would love this. Um... How would you like to walk the fairways with Australia's best golfers at the Cathedral Invitational on this Wednesday, December 6th? Tickets from cathedralinvitational.com.au. All general uh, ticket buyers are automatically entered into a draw to win a round at the cathedral so i
3: know a bit about about the cathedral
2: um a double pass we've got to give away to the cathedral invitational so um let's make it uh the double the first person that can ring through no no give us we were talking a lot about magnus first person that can ring through and give us the biggest race Win of Magnus will win a double pass
3: to the Cathedral. Maddie, you would know that straight away. He I ran a lot of big, head. big, big placings, Magnus. Moody took him over to Royal Ascot, and I reckon he ran about fourth. Mm. Cathedral.
2: Didn't he get. He got.
3: I think he got one group one, was it, Chargers? Yeah, well, don't give it away. Well. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, cathedral is actually a helicopter ride from Melbourne, three quarters of the way to Lake Eldon. Mike Simons. It's very basic, but it's, a, it's an amazing course, but it's just popped up out of nowhere. It's only been there for a two or three years, Cathedral.
2: All right. Well, give us a call. Um, Howie, we'll put, we'll put the caller through. Who can answer on air, and you'll win a double pass to Cathedral. I've got some Batoki hams to give away as well. Just a couple of SMSs before we take a break um, as well. Um, silly question potentially,
3: but why are the Sandown races at Caulfield... Well, the MRC, in conjunction with Racing Victoria, decided for three, four whatever years ago that they were going to get a better wagering return from Caulfield uh, than Sandown, which... Uh, just on that, just as subsequent to that SMS, has the zipping classic, the big move, pushback, change of track, is it a success? Is it negligible? Has it worked? Well, what the, you're saying the first year that it's been pushed back the extra week or two... Is it one or no. two weeks because of the extension <laughs> of the carnival? This is where it's been run the last couple of years, isn't it? Well, it's been a week earlier yeah. because oh, they okay. didn't have the... Well, has the general transferal of it to Sandown Classic Day and then push back a week later, is it a is it a successful thing, sipping Classic Day? Uh, well, Saturday,
2: uh, Saturday was ruined by the weather. I don't know what crowd they had, and you would imagine turnover... Um, won't be up there's been the general decline throughout the entire spring carnival but I mean as you said Sharky I to be honest I I, I didn't really play on Saturday when I knew that the track conditions were going no. to be so treacherous
5: yeah and look weather's there's one thing that <clears throat> I think any December time slot I know personally it's very difficult to sell the idea of going to a race meeting on a Saturday in December after a spring carnival when you know you, you're three weeks from christmas maddie certainly from a young family point of view it's just it's real estate it's family real estate basically you're doing things to get ready for christmas or seeing friends or school productions or whatever it is it's not for me it's not a race day time slot i don't know about other demographics and how people feel you know that about that timing I don't know do the answer think? either. I, I mean,
3: I'm more interested in what the SMSs think because the crowds haven't been spectacular. The the I think Carl DiOrio did a story last year saying that the overall ratings of every race on Zipping Day had actually declined from Sandown. So, I mean, people say, oh, it's, you've got to try something, but I, I reckon... Do I'm you? not sure about that mentality of you've got to try something well, it's just for the a, sake of got to try something. It's not going to yeah.
2: change. Yeah. It's, it's not going to go back to Sandown, that's for sure. Especially oh, no, but it doesn't stop they're the building, building brand new, whether it's, it's ...brand new facilities been... and the money that mm. they're putting into Caulfield. What, I think what you mentioned before is maybe <laughs> they need a name tweak or a change to the Sandown Guineas because that does seem confusing when it's run at Caulfield. Another one here. Um,
3: Ballarat should be lit. Night racing for the West. Is One it? of them, if we're going to continue with night racing, something ha- it's either going to be Geelong or Ballarat. Mm. One of them has to do it. We'll put it to Belinda and she joins imagine us How cold about.
5: it would get here at a night meeting.
3: In- it will be an ice... Yeah, I, I, I'd probably think more... Geelong, but then again, all the horses are trained here. They're well, not trained at Geelong. Probably
5: try to do it during the summer
2: period. Well, I don't think you'd have a middle June night meeting. How much <laughs> night racing? How much? No,
3: night, there's, there's nowhere know, we else. We need to go to But there's nowhere else community. in the world, in any racing jurisdiction, that tries to think that it can have as many night venues as we do. Oh, especially
5: with day venues as well. well
3: the Valley, how much racing Caulfield, will uh, we'll, uh, will get there. You know that, that's what they want. The push for one in the West, Cranbourne, <laughs> Pakenham, hey, Happy Valley and Chartin, I don't think there's anywhere else in the world where, where that model... Sydney, for instance, has one. We've got six or five or six. How does that work out? It's, 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 <laughs> yeah. it's about the... You
2: know, you know what? It's about they want to... Every club wants to get it because it makes them money, and Racing Victoria is keen to have more night racing. But because as far it's as an the, attraction to the, the better um, but, time frame for
3: but, punting. But the original notion of night racing at the Valley was: here we are, we are the point of difference. This is in 1997. Where the point of difference? Where the night racing venue? Where the Happy Valley? I've got a question for you on a different topic. When I finish the sentence, or no? okay, you go. For <laughs> it. Well, ask the question. You're trying to. You understand what I'm saying, though? I, like, I do understand yeah. what you're saying. Absolutely, I do. Tell me, where is Kahuna? Up near Swan Hill. Is it? Well, we've got Pete
2: from Kahuna here. Well, that's Jai McNeil's hometown. Who has... Is it uh, Kahuna? Is it, well, there, there you go. We've learned something. Maybe Pete's related to Jai. Because might be. Pete is on the line and he's got an answer which will hopefully win him a double pass to Cathedral. Good morning, Pete. day, boys. How you going? I'm very well indeed. Are you any relation to Jai McNeil? Jai McNeil, no. He's... he's um not far from us, but uh, no
7: relation. I do just a few cattle at his place, but Ah, there
3: you go. Beef or dairy? What was that? Sorry, go? beef or dairy cattle? Uh, dairy, Maddie, and you know Kahuna through through me. Uh yes. Yeah, hang oh, on a minute. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. This is this is, on. On. is the this is um this is the great man himself.
5: Yeah, this is the I great see. man.
3: This is. What, He's he's, his son, Paddy Doyle, this is Pete Doyle. Oh. Is this Pete Doyle? Uh, Yeah, it is Pete Doyle, and I'm driving along the
2: tractor, and I've got a real obsession with horse racing and golf. And when you brought up Cathedral
4: Lodge and playing there and going there, I thought, oh, I've got to stop this tractor and have a go at this question.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, well, can you recall what the Group 1 race that Magnus 1 was? Well, I'm not 100%, but I'm going to have a stab. Was it the Group 1 Galaxy? Ah, uh, well done, Pete. You well, nailed it,
3: and you're off to Cathedral. See, is that around? Going what? You know where? Do you know where it is, Pete? Uh it's up at. Um, are we up at Buck, up near to somewhere it. like that? Yeah, it's mind? nowhere near you.
2: It's nowhere near you. Okay. I can tell you about yeah, Pete yeah, Doyle. Brother? No, no, you. I've got to clarify, you're not playing in... You're uh, not playing in it, You're not playing in the international. That's disappointing. Um, uh, you might be a good golfer, but I, I don't fancy beating Cam Smith, Adam Scott, or Mark Leishman. No, you're going there to watch. No, no, no. Let him have a crack. No, I
4: thought I might have been a pro-air, but I'm, I'm happy to
2: go. <laughs> <laughs> good on you, Pete. Well <laughs>
3: done. Good on you. Thank you. His son, Paddy, is our race coach. Yeah, no, Paddy does a brilliant job. And Pete used to play for Carlton under the Greg Williams era. And then his wife was from a farming community and said, um, we're going to go and buy 60 trillion acres up at Kahuna and you're going to become a farmer. <laughs> and he just said, overnight he had to become a farmer. And they had that famous horse that used to win out at Warrnambool all the time. Um,
2: win the last race
3: down the outside? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. oh, yeah. Mac is going to kill me if I can't remember it. Anyway, we'll think of it. We need to take a
2: break because we're going to talk about the winter bottom after this.
1: On RSN's
3: Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict.
1: Oscar's Fortune runs on, it's overpass. Oscar's Fortune trying valiantly, but he comes away overpass and he wins it again. Overpass, more Baker's Delight in Perth. Wins from Oscar's Fortune.
4: So proud of this horse. He's deserved a Group 1 victory for, for some time now. He's just kept raising the bar every time he's needed to. and uh, I'm, I'm just thrilled for the horse, thrilled for the team. It's been a, quite a long day. I've watched Racer after race with horses sitting back off the speed and swooping down the middle of the track and to be honest with you it was starting to really play on my mind so uh really pleased to be able to come out and trust the the horse's ability to race forward and put put the race to sleep
2: yeah, it was a nice ride from Josh Barr, and it was the class that prevailed. It was the obvious, wasn't it, really? Overpass, he had the form on the board, and he was just too good in the winter bottom, which gives him his Group 1, but I think probably most people would say it wasn't a Group 1 class race. He was probably the Group 1 horse in the race, Sharky.
5: Yeah, it was probably an off year, I think, for the winter bottom. It wasn't an overly deep race, like when you've got triple missiles starting at $8 mm. in a Group 1. It probably tells you a little bit about it. Um, but, look, credit to Bjorn Baker sending the horse across again. You know, quacked late last year and goes and gets it's the... Like 5.86 uh, <clears throat> million now, overpass. It's Yeah, it's ridiculous, it is. isn't it? And, and, look, I think from New South Wales or from Sydney to Perth, it's a hell of a long way. So good on the trainer and the connections for having a go. Another really good horse for Derby racing. You know, year after year they've got one. They're they're a great syndication business. They they buy a lot of good horses and, and not they've only had a expensive. Lo- no, and they've had a lot of success. So. Credit also to uh, to Derby Racing. The, the winner bottom very good
3: needs a quokka type setup than a, as far as like an Amelia's Jewel. They just got a bit stiff because Amelia's Jewel wasn't there because her campaign sort of yeah. fell apart, and there wasn't the, the big Western Australian versus the big Eastern State horse like we didn't Apache Cat and take over Target fight out this, that race once. I think uh, they did. Yeah, yeah, um, I it's th- had some really it, good winners over the years. It, it didn't have a big Western Australian, and I think that was a bit of a letdown. Yeah. So you can't. Orchestrate a race every year, but in future they'd be hoping that an Amelia's jewel or something else, because Overpass is second tier in the east, high second tier, but
5: he's still so he and he walloped them. So you can miss though with the race, you know. It's you've had Miss Andretti win the race, yep. <clears throat> Morasco, Horse Lot takeover target. You're right, or Tensia, yeah, very good horse. She yeah, won but it the, twice. Problem, the problem, the buffering,
2: the problem for the Perth Carnival is the. Elongation of the spring carnivals in Sydney and Melbourne, yes. and the huge prize money in Sydney, which means sprinters who yeah. might have done a, um, a a race in Sydney, a race in Melbourne, then we jump on the plane and go over there. They, yeah, there's no point. We're not yeah. doing it. So it's really a great opportunity for a, a horse that, like a Uncommon James heading over mm. there, or those yeah. types of horses yeah. where you go, it's a $1.5
3: million race. Yeah. Paul Ailey last year. Yeah, Paul Ailey was a good example. Um, that sprinter of.
5: Fedora uh, went there and, yeah. and did really well. But you can have it off year. You. you know, you can have a year like a voodoo jo, jo, lad jo, when you're going to. Joe Pride's got to start
3: thinking about these things because he's got multiple levels of sprinters. Oh, yeah, and he that's had a, a day really good, out in Sydney. That's a like, really good point. The one that he won the big sprint race with two or three weeks ago and said so he just ran him ragged. Like, whether that would have been a good winter bottom horse, you know? No, I agree. Uh, a few SMSs coming through here. Uh, Kahuna's just up the
2: road from Gunbauer. Um, uh, the biggest tweak racing needs to make to the Spring Carnival is to have public transport running on the day of the meeting. But we can't
3: control that. No. Um, Warrnambool didn't have trains, by the way, on on, on No, I stuff. know. So they did do the snap strike, did they? Uh, well, that was I heard on the news that there won't be trains. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming that because previously
2: there be... had been talk uh, that they okay. were going to push the strike back. Right. Uh, I know you all play. Uh, you're paid to dramatise things, Matty. But one week doesn't mean anything to anyone
3: as far as the spring carnival's concerned. concerned. Uh, does it? The tail end when you're when you've already got a uh, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I just that, I couldn't that, be bothered getting my that head around the answer. it out, answer. You, that I be, out didn't I yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. uh, On that note, uh, I'll give I them think some whatever. Whatever was created that, for a reason is yeah. a dismissive term, uh, wasn't it? Charlie, let them throw in a whatever. As
2: we as we go to the break, um, I'm in a giving mood today, as is the whole of RSN. And we heard before about Maddie Stewart's love for um, the Pitoki hams. Uh, we've managed to rescue a couple from. Another going to get a lawyer from the back myself. of his boot, and we've got a patoky ham to give away to the first caller through. No questions, just be the first caller through on one three hundred six five two nine two seven, and uh, you will win a succulent. Batocki succulent. Mini easy Well, this one's the mini one. You've you've seconded the big one. I thought one. we would give them a great good prize. It's the mini easy car. <laughs> Hang on, this is just melting melt in your mouth Patoki. You can't have a
3: Christmas. Give them the packet of bacon Without as well from Patocki as bataki. well the
2: we We'll take a break more to come live from Ballarat after this.
3: Racing Pulse, this is The Verdict.
2: Welcome back to the Verdict. We are live from the Ballarat Turf Club with Manny Stewart, Mick Sharking. The reason why we're here is not only counting down to Sportsbet Ballarat Cup Day, but because Racing Victoria is holding its annual vet seminar. It'll be held over two days, and of course, uh, the head honcho when we come to veterinary services at Racing Victoria is Dr. Grace Forbes, who joins us. And Grace, you've been instrumental in putting today together, and the topics, and the speakers, and the, the who's who of the veterinary world are here today, along with a number of owners and trainers and other representatives who will be present at uh, the seminar today and tomorrow. So it's great to see you here. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Thank you very much, Michael. And thank you for offering your assistance by also emceeing today for us. (laughs)
2: It'll be a busy day. I'm looking forward to it. Um, What's the overall, I suppose, aim out of this seminar um, in regards to from the RV, veterinary point of view, but also for the participants?
0: The aim today, so, is really to engage with our participants, primarily the private vets and the trainers, to open a conversation about medication and how we use medication in racing horses. Uh, And the way that we're going to do that today, particularly in the afternoon, is having this panel discussion where today we've got uh, Dr Ben Mason, who's been on your show before, giving his point of view as a private vet, Uh, And then we've also got an owner, we've got Brad Spicer here, uh, providing sort of that different point of view. And then today we've got Professor Chris Witten giving his point of view, sort of coming from a research background. So we're really keen to get um, participation from the audience. And so this is off the back of a survey that we did of trainers and private vets. And so what we want to do is share those results back with the broader training and veterinary uh, industry and then get some extra feedback from them today. So today is really all about hearing from our participants that can sort of help us move forward.
5: Grace, is there a particular speaker or an angle or part of today that you're most looking forward to?
0: I'm actually really looking forward to hear uh, Dr. Ben Barassi. I
5: thought you were going to say Joel Selwood, so (laughs) obviously...
0: Well, I am looking forward to that because he he is an excellent speaker. But uh, just hearing Dr. Ben's experience working in the AFL, and Mm. so he's going to be talking about his experience as an AFL club doctor and his relationship with the... uh, trainer oh sorry I shouldn't say trainer coach Mm -hmm. uh, who is probably a little bit like a trainer and then also with the players who are a little bit like horses and so I think that just learning you know what can we learn from other sports uh, is always really interesting.
5: Is there a a, a significant point of innovation around medication and and performance or or managing issues that that will come to, to light or be discussed today?
0: The reason behind sort of opening this discussion about medication is it's something that's being talked about globally. Yeah. So if you look over in the States, they've just introduced HISA, which is looking at uniform, sort of applying some uniformity to their medication rules mm-hmm. in the States. Uh, and there's been lots of changes, things like extra regulation around bisphosphonates, extra regulation about clenbuterol, And so this is something that's being discussed in horse racing globally, and so it's something that we need to start looking at ourselves.
3: Grace, there's a sort of a global position on drug-free racing, but there's also the issue of um, acceptable therapeutics and and so on, and horse maintenance and the way we race them here and recovery. Is there ever going to be a situation where the Uh, drug-free racing strict policy is sort of of the advice of these sort of discussions about whether there should be some allowable some more allowable therapeutics and so on for the greater good for the benefit of the horses that it doesn't betray the notion of drug-free racing really
0: Uh, I think that globally and now America was really the only country that was sort of won out Uh, has this policy of drug-free racing, but as all of us know in the industry, that doesn't mean you can't use therapeutics. It just means that they can't be in the horse's system when they come to race. So there's definitely a place for appropriate therapeutics that can assist the horse. So Today we're going to talk about equine asthma. So if you've got a horse that's got asthma, just like any of us, me, I'm sneezing, I've got hay fever at the moment. Good
3: and so timing.
0: <laughs> it is indeed. Uh, and so horses get asthma mm. and it's appropriate to treat them. For asthma mm. uh, to make them more comfortable and also it helps with their performance. So there's definitely a place for it when it's appropriate and it's also in the best it sort of has the horse's welfare yeah. at the...
3: Core will will the there ever horse. be yes. a therapeutic that, that that is so beneficial uh, and so uh, non-performance enhancing that it will be acceptable on a race day swap?
0: Oh, I wouldn't like to, to speculate yeah. but as it is at the Is moment. that a
3: reasonable discussion to have in the future, though, about whether that strict policy whether there's a bit of wriggle room there because of the welfare of the animal superseding the drug-free sort of thing is is that though are they the sort of discussions that are happening in veterinary circles at all with racing
0: Uh, there's definitely always a discussion but I guess if you sort of come back to first principles if horses are fit to race they should be fit and healthy and they shouldn't really need any medication on board so that they can compete but there is also a space for things like another thing we're going to talk about with Dave Eustace tomorrow, like managing gastric ulceration. Mm. And so that can be given at the moment right up until the day before mm. racing, and that is for welfare reasons. Yep. Um, Dave's perspective sort of coming, that sort of he's shared, but he's looking at like, you know, it's expensive. Uh, do we need to be administering this to all horses or maybe only the horses that are affected are there any uh side effects with any medications that we use that maybe we haven't contemplated so it's just sort of people starting to think about how they do things and why and the pros and cons yep
2: from a a veterinary point of view how constant is the research review on these types of, of of equine medications and then Also, how constant is your review of what should be allowed, what isn't allowed, and and what's in that blurred line category?
0: I mean, it is a a constant uh, thing that we're always looking at. So there's new research being produced every day locally here in Victoria. We're always looking at uh, what's new, what's some new research that someone's done, and what can we learn from that. Nationally, so we have a national veterinary and analysts group, and we meet regularly to discuss these things from a national perspective. So I'll meet with my colleagues, you know, uh, the head vet in New South Wales, Queensland, WA, Uh, and then again on a global level uh, through the IFHA or the International Federation of Horse Racing so that on all different levels these are things that are being discussed continuously.
5: How involved are you Grace Racing Victoria in those research projects? And I understand that they'd be happening at universities and all sorts of facilities and whatever else but do you drive some of that research that there's areas that you think oh you know as a sport or an industry we need to be better informed on this?
0: Oh, definitely. So if we see uh, uh, a bit of a gap in our knowledge, Racing Victoria's had a really good history of sponsoring mm. research. So uh, we just finished in the last year uh, a really big project that uh, Dr Nath did looking at cardiac arrhythmias and mm. sudden death. Uh, and, you know, because there was really a, a bit of a lack of information about just even how common they are, uh, any risk factors, anything that we can do to prevent them. So definitely if we see a gap in the knowledge, we'll seek someone out that's appropriately yes. qualified to do that extra bit of
3: research. Mm. This is a question you may not have an answer to, but your, your own curiosity might have. Any reason why so many horses are dropping dead in America, race horses? That was a bit bluntly delivered. It but, was um, uh, a bit. But, 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 well, thirteen at Churchill Downs, thirteen at fifteen at Saratoga. I mean, Santa Anita, and it's unbelievable. So, from a veterinary point of view, what is going on over there?
0: Uh, I, I think it's it's not my place to speculate on what's going on in America, but I I, I can say that having spoken to the vets over there, they are really, you know, there's some dedicated people, and everyone is trying to find a way to make the sport safer so that it can continue successfully and so I mean I I wouldn't like to speculate because I don't know enough of the facts but speaking to the vets over there I know that there's a really concerted effort Uh, and I think they are making some inroads but you know they possibly have a bit further to go.
3: Yeah because it's really really um at odds with outside values over there, and they're 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 on the edge of the cliff over there. Just speaking on that international front, um, which is a bit closer to racing
2: Victoria. Are you getting the sense after another um, successful, injury-free Melbourne Cup Carnival that the internationals are becoming a bit more receptive, even the Japanese overseas, about the protocols that we put in place a few years ago?
0: Oh. Definitely, uh, so I go over and I have a look at the horses at least once, um, particularly the European horses, and just having those conversations with the trainers over there, I think the change is coming in locally. So the BHA this year did uh, race day trot-ups of all the horses over the Ascot Carnival, Mm -hmm. uh, which they've been doing in the jumps races for a long time. They've introduced much more stringent vet protocols for the Breeders' Cup so, I think we're not the only ones that are, have some protocols that we ask people to complete before they come here. And I think there's a much better understanding of really, we want the horses, we want to make sure before, before the horses come here and ship here, because it's expensive, it's a long way to travel and not without risk, that when they come here, they've got their best chance of passing the tests once they arrive and competing successfully. And so, I think with that sort of in mind, they're much more... They've been much more open
3: to them. And because... Sorry, Chuck, because I think the thing that upset them most was the getting here and then having the rug pulled, but I guess if if it's sort of the onus is on them at the other end, they're, they're actually quite confident that when they get here they're not going to have that rug pulled.
0: Exactly, and that yeah. that is the whole aim, is that, you know, we really... International participation is important and we want it, but we want it to be a good experience, and so if we can thoroughly you know look over the horses when they're overseas so that when they come here barring you know horses are horses and things might go wrong they step on a nail and but barring from that the aim is that they come here in a position that they're going to be successful.
5: The introduction of of those regulations has been you know uh, there's there's been an adjustment period for for everybody concerned has there been a specific learning that you've taken out of the last couple of years of, of those those new measures?
0: I don't know that there'd be one thing, but I really think the focus this year on, you know, really working with the owners, Mm. the trainers, talking them through it, explaining why and why it's actually our way of trying to help them so that when they come here that they're successful. I think that's been the real learning is spending a lot more time you know, explaining the
3: why. Had yeah. there been a little perception of us against them, and that that had you had to break down that sort of perception between not just the vets and the trainers, but RV and the participants, that that was an important bridge to create because there had been a bit of a perception of um, not a, not foes, but sort of that we weren't working together necessarily.
0: I think definitely the first year that we released the veterinary protocols for the Melbourne Cup and the spring racing, uh, for the Melbourne Cup and the internationals, definitely there was an initial reaction, particularly from some of the international trainers of, oh, you're putting up these barriers to stop us coming. But that was definitely never the intention. And like I said, we really value the international participation. And what we want to do is make sure when they come, they uh, have their best chance of uh, competing successfully.
2: Every year you review it, and this year there's <clears throat> pardon me being discussion about reviewing the number of start policy before a Melbourne Cup. Um, West wind blows the the horse that most people spoke about this year. Is it likely to change next year that there'll be more than a a, a two run, um, no, one run then into the Melbourne Cup to be extended, maybe?
0: So for the international horses, they can have one run before mm. the Melbourne Cup. Uh, and so we've really only just started that process and I think, uh, like I've said before, given that we've had three years uh, and they've been successful, yeah, well, uh, change any, it down. <laughs> any changes that I think we would make would be more likely to be sort of minor adjustments rather than significant changes.
3: Yep. I uh, guess, what, just quickly on that, like, it's been such a relief the last three years it's hard to change a successful formula isn't it on that basis because most people feel that the number of internationals feels about Mm -hmm. right now so as much as we can sort of chip away and say oh you should do this this and this like starting point is it's worked so (laughs) you know
2: uh, it's going to be a fascinating day today and then it continues tomorrow. I think it's being held at Cranbourne tomorrow and um, we'll get Joel on to have a chat. Joel Selwood at around about 11 o'clock our time. He's going to be a speaker today because that correlation, as I mentioned before, between the superstar human athlete, the medical support that they receive and comparing that to what the equine support that the equine athletes get from a veterinary point of view is going to be a fascinating and it's probably moving closer and closer together, Grace.
0: Oh yeah, they definitely are, and there is so much we can learn from from any from other sports. So um, I would quickly say that uh, tomorrow is at Cranbourne. 10 till 3 uh, at the Turf Club and so if you haven't registered, that's fine, come along, we'll still let you in uh, and even here in Ballarat, we kick off officially at 10.30 so if you're close by, you've got time to duck down and you can always come in late so we'd love to see as many people here as possible.
2: Absolutely. Uh, good on you Grace, uh, we'll see you upstairs soon. Thank you very much.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to think who the racehorse equivalent of Joel Selwood would be, You always came off the field with a bloody nose and bumped and bruised and <laughs> a so you'd have to, it would have to be a gay waterhouse, like a perennial, like a desert war, or something yeah, like that. It's not it. a bad one.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, good on you, Grace. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, gents, as we wrap up uh, at the end of uh, the verdict, um, I want to SMS that two-year-old that won in Sydney, Storm yes, Boy. Storm Did Boy. you see that? Wasn't it Speaking good? of gay waterhouse scenarios, and yeah. And Bot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
5: yeah it very was exciting. Super impressive. Really, really exciting, uh, Storm Boy. Very well um, named. Belinda. But it's
3: <laughs> so, exactly. It's out of and someone what do you mean, Christian Manning put up, because it was such an emotional movie, put up storm, the Storm Boy video next to the uh, the race replay. Uh,
2: you're going to hang around for a little bit because yep. um, we're going to have Belinda Glass join us in around about 10 minutes. I'm going to uh, uh, duck up, upstairs and do the official welcome to the vet seminar. So we'll take a break. Maddie will steer you through the fast form today, which is focusing on New South Wales. And then I'll come back and we'll have a chat to Glass about the upcoming Ballarat Cup meeting. we got Gators post mortem, which will still be uh, fascinating to hear from the weekend as well. Joel Selwood will join us. And then at uh, 11.15 this morning, a slightly earlier start because there is no racing in Melbourne, the Cracking the Code team will take you through the rest of the morning as well. We'll take a quick break. You're listening to RSN's Racing Pulse.